This is Dr. Phil. That means you found your way to fill in the blanks. I think it's a good time to talk about rituals, traditions, what makes Christmas special at your house. So I thought what I would do is just get some of my friends around, guys that I spend a lot of time with. We play tennis, we hang out, and talk about what we do at Christmas in our lives, in our families. Well, since we're talking about family traditions and stuff at the holidays, I thought, who better to start out with than my wife, Robin? So we should at least talk about ours. Oh, yes. Let's talk about what we do at our house Christmas first. Okay, great. You know it's my favorite holiday. I know. Well, every (laughs) holiday is your favorite holiday right before the holiday. I love it. I love the day. But Christmas is a big one, right? Yes. Everyone has to know that I have to have all of the decorating done by the first of December, like the first week of December. Try to have them all up. By the time we sit down for Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, we almost always do. But this yes. year, was we were a little late because we were in New York for yes. Thanksgiving this and year. Thanksgiving was so late in the month. But yes, right. you're right. Yeah. So Robin really gets into decorations. Mm-hmm. And they're always themed. And they're themed by the kids. Yes. Whatever Avery and London, when our kids were little, Jay and Jordan, they always kind of pick the theme. Uh-huh. But now that they're older than Avery and London, Jay's children pick the theme. Yes. And whatever they pick, she finds some way to do it. I sure do. And I always put a little spin on it. So there is a surprise to it for them. And I do it all myself. Everyone wants to know, do I bring someone in? But no, I do it all myself. Trust me, she does <laughs> it all herself. In fact, she's been doing it for the last three or four days, like around yes. the clock. Around the clock. But it's fun, it's right? It's been so much fun. So We play Christmas music all through the house yes. and you get in yes. there and do it. So what's the theme this year? The theme this year is Candy Cane Christmas. It's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Last year, I thought I might have overdone it with the gingerbread house in the foyer. This is a magical time of year, and I do love decorating. Every year, I do a different theme. Last year, I had this life-sized gingerbread home built in our home for our grandchildren, Avery and London. I love bringing things from year to year and using them over and over. So this mantle and fireplace, I needed something to display all these really fun things. London and Avery's stockings. These came from the year I did the stocking theme. Pictures, photos from every Christmas that I could think of. So we have Avery when she came to see Santa's workshop. And this one is so cute. It has both of them on Santa's lap. This one, this is probably when both of our boys, 38 and 32. This was on the tree when they were babies. You'll see here, this one, the McGraws. I've probably had this for 10 years. This little table and chairs, I purchased this when Avery was born, actually before she was born. The chairs have always had their names on them, and the table itself and the chairs were a little bit of a cream color and pink. This year, I made it red, candy cane striped chairs. It fit for the house. I just love it. It's just memories. That's important to me, memories. This giraffe I actually bought when London was born. So I brought it down from their room, and he's going to love it when he sees that I've used it. No surprise, I believe everyone should have a hat. And the giraffe is wearing a nutcracker hat this year. And I also have to show you the tree. Of course, it's filled with ornaments they're going to love, but 
I have to say, this might be the shortest tree I've ever done, but it's for them, so I love it. I love those babies, and I love this gingerbread house. I know they're going to love it, too. Avery had fun because she could go in the gingerbread house. Yes, she I mean, was a family to. of four could yes. live in the gingerbread yes, house. Yes, yes. So she loved that. But this year, it's candy cane Christmas. And yes. how many Christmas trees are in the foyer now? Well, I haven't finished. You know, today I'm bringing in the last of them. But what I really love is you love the way it looks. You are so in love with the Christmas theme because for the first time ever, I actually have red and white Christmas trees in the I foyer. Know. I love that. These red flock Christmas trees that have red lights on them. I know. I know. Yes. So that's as red as you can get. So I probably have a total of 24 Christmas trees in the foyer that extend into our dining room and then into the hallway. There's some out on the patio, right? Yes. Yes. And I, I have a, I have like a 12 foot red and a nine foot white and maybe another one. And I've kind of pushed them together so they kind of look like candy canes. It's yeah, gorgeous. And then you've got the center table that you've got jelly bellies and all kinds oh, of stuff. So I have candy there. canes and I have some signs that say, have a candy cane Christmas. And then what's really cute is I found two of the most adorable photos of the babies. I still call them babies from past Christmases. One's on Santa's lap and one of them, they're eating candy cane suckers. And I blew them up to like, 16 by 20 and and just huge and photoshopped the one with the suckers because it was a summertime photo and so they're christmas themed and probably have how many candy jars would you say uh 40 50 <laughs> full of, of candy. Clear candy jars full of m&ms and jelly beans and stuff and candy, candy canes yes, yes yes my favorite thing about that is when you open the front door and the kids see it for the first time because yes. they just, I mean, their eyes yeah. just go crazy and then they're all over it. Also tradition, a friend of ours, Ken Solomon, yeah, he's the head of Tennis Channel, is a amateur photographer, but unbelievable. He comes in and he lays on the floor and hangs yeah. from the rafters yeah. and takes pictures yep. of everything at Christmas time and does a great job with all of that. So we get those decorations yeah. and then when we actually get to Christmas, now we're from the South, uh -huh. so food is really important at the holiday season in the South. And Robin has this special recipe for baked potato soup. It belonged to my mother. Right. So talk about traditions. It's like it's we've been doing every bit of this that we're talking about for, well, the 43 years we've been married. So right. every Christmas Eve, I make my mother's recipe of baked potato soup. Then we pick up one of the honey-baked hams, right? and then I make homemade dinner rolls. So every Christmas Eve, our dinner is baked potato soup and ham sandwiches made on dinner rolls. Yeah, and that I don't know what it is, but every year you start the hunt <laughs> for the recipe for this baked potato soup and for the Christmas cookies, these oh, those white cookies. they were my mother's. Almond right. cookie recipes. Yeah, they're well. almond cookies. And every year she starts taking down these cookbook <laughs> after cookbook after cookbook. Uh, they all belong not to my Not because mother. it's published in the cookbook, because she stuck the recipe <laughs> yes. inside the cookbook. Why do I do that to myself? And we have know. to find it every year. It's like, oh I my panic. God, where is it? I go through that panic. And then right. every year I would call my sister for the almond cookie recipe. And it's so sad because last Christmas I couldn't call her, but I, I found it. 
Well, you couldn't call her because we lost Cindy last year. So that was our first Christmas without getting to call Cindy to get the recipe. I know. But tradition is so important to me. So I make the almond cookies and the baked potato soup. And it doesn't matter where they are. The boys have to come over and Eric and the babies and have the traditional baked potato soup. But sometimes Erica and Jay and the babies can't do it because there's another tradition. They spend Christmas Eve with her family, right? And then they come over on to our home on Christmas Day. Yeah, we always get Jordan. We always get Jordan, and then yes. we get Jay and Erica and the babies. We call them babies. Uh, <laughs> Christmas morning. Yeah. Of course, Jordan shows up two hours before they do, looking at his watch, uh, pacing yeah. back and forth. Where are they? Oh, well, they have they to haven't stay even home. left the house yet. They have to wait for Santa Claus to be at their home, and they're getting older, and they like to lay around the house. I have to explain it to him every Christmas now, Jordan. Children are at home enjoying their presents from Santa. And here's another tradition I have to tell everyone about. Every Christmas morning, Philip prepares breakfast. It's really kind of brunch, but he always takes the ham that's left over from the night before. And he stands at the stove and he fries the ham and he puts in biscuits in the oven. And he's in full charge of preparing brunch. And he sets it it all out. and He sets up the buffet and he does every bit of it. Pretty good at it, if I do He's say so great myself. great at it. He sets out strawberry preserves and two or three different ones. And he does everything. And then we finally get down to um, opening presents. And mm-hmm. what we do present-wise, the adults, is we draw names. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like Secret Santa yeah. at Thanksgiving. And uh, for the kids, we just buy the kids everything they want. presents. <laughs> she buys them everything they want, plus a couple of things. But we draw names, and that's always fun. Uh-huh. Yes. And then she says, of course, I buy him a few things for Christmas. And when it's all over, I gather them up in a box so they can go upstairs to the bedroom or maybe back to his office. And a year later, they're still in that box. That is not Sometimes true. I just rewrap them. That is not true. He's the hardest person to buy for. He doesn't really like to receive presents. He loves to give them, which actually it's okay with me. But <laughs> yeah, there they said a year later, still in that box. That's not true. I think it is true, Philip. No, you got me something last year that I used. Say what it was. It's a pocket knife. It's true. <laughs> okay. I keep a pocket knife. In fact, I actually bought it from you. I gave you a penny for it, didn't I? know I? you always do that. I recently yeah. got a knife from someone as a gift. Cat Cora, the chef. And she had never heard of that tradition. Well, that so you gave her a penny? I gave her a penny. Yeah. Well, you're supposed to do that yeah. so you don't get stabbed or yeah. something. Or cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's our yeah. that's our holiday tradition. Then we spend the day, you know, just mm-hmm. with all the kids. Football. and Yeah, we watch football, Playing play music, play with the toys. Yeah. I always get stuck with putting something together. And then I always Some assembly required. You have to bring in three engineers and an architect. <laughs> Sometimes we do turkey and dressing yeah. for our prime rib, but I always cook a big late dinner. Yeah, like I say, it's the South, so we're yeah. always into that. It's all about food. Then when we all get around at dinner time, we do talk about something that we feel we've really been blessed by that year. Reflecting back on the year is something we've really, really been blessed by. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we do reflect back and do that. The babies now are old enough that they get to add to that conversation. So yeah. It's so fun. They're yeah. eight and nine and a half, so... It's becoming very, very sweet and so meaningful. Well, we want to hear your family traditions as well. And, you know, you guys have heard me say, I think one of the things that makes a family phenomenal is to have rituals and traditions. Those things that 
your children will remember all of their lives. Our boys are grown now, and they remember this all growing up through their lives, and now Jay's doing it with his kids, and I'm sure Jordan will if he ever settles down enough to have (laughs) children. But it's so important to have that rhythm to your family, rhythm to life, those rituals and traditions that you look forward to. And they don't just have to be associated with the holidays, but that's a great time to start Mm -hmm. and uh, create rituals and traditions. So that's what happens at the McGraw household over the holidays. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I want to talk about the holidays. A lot of relationships come together at the holidays. I wanted to give you some thoughts about how to manage, because I think we need to manage our expectations sometimes and take some pressure off of ourselves. So I want to give you a little advice that you didn't ask for about the holidays. Number one, I think it's really important to manage your expectations about the holidays, because sometimes we get a little starry-eyed and we get really high expectations about how wonderful everything's going to be and set ourselves up for disappointment. Sometimes we get into situations where reality can never live up to the expectations or we have selective memories of how great everything was. And we think of Christmas's past or Thanksgiving's past, and we selectively pick out those good moments. We forget about Uncle Bob getting drunk and falling into the Christmas tree or Aunt Edna burning the turkey, the kids running through the house and making so much noise you just wanted to just get up and run out the back door. My dad always said that the holidays were a time where people that didn't know each other that well traveled a long way to spend too much time in too small a space. I guess you could tell he was a bit of a cynic about the holidays. He actually enjoyed them, but Let's talk about the expectations for a minute. If you're in a situation where you've always driven 18, 20 hours with the kids in the back of the car to get somewhere that's really crowded and you're with some people that maybe you knew once in your life, but you really don't know them that well anymore and you don't have that much in common with them anymore, is it a sacrilege to ask yourself if that's a reasonable expectation to put on yourself? If money is tight this year and gas prices are really through the roof and it's going to cost you $300 to make this round trip out of pocket, not to mention the wear and tear on your car and tires and oil and indirect costs that you don't actually see, are you making yourself do something that you really don't want to do? Are you putting stress and pressure on yourself that you really don't want? Look, I'm all about family togetherness. I really am. I love for family to be together at the holidays if it makes sense. But we are in an age of technology. Ask yourself, honestly, do I really need to do this? Is it in my best interest and the best interest of my family? Because in the age of technology, you can FaceTime those people. 
and laugh and talk, joke about the football game and have a good visit and do that a couple of times maybe during the weekend and see each other and all. And is that as good as being there? Absolutely not. No question about it. It's better to be there and feel those hugs and spend time together and visit and all of that. But you do have to realistically ask yourself, is this in my family's best interest right now? Or is it in my family's best interest right now to actually have a family Christmas where it's just two kids and us or me and my daughter or son, if I'm a single mom, you know, maybe we need to create a special ritual or tradition here just with us and not feel guilty about it, not feel like we're a horrible son or daughter because we don't put our kids in the back seat of the car and drive 18 hours to get somewhere we can't afford to be, don't really want to do, and create tremendous stress and pressure and have to be back to work on Monday. I'm just saying, ask yourself if it's really in you and your family's best interest if the expectations are unreasonable. If they're not, if everybody's in town and close by and it's what you want to do, great. I'm thrilled for you. Do that and enjoy it. I just wanted to bring up, because oftentimes people just don't even entertain the question, do I do this or do I not? Because it's just assumed. Of course you do. It's Thanksgiving. You have to do it. Well, no, you don't. Maybe you can see them over the summer or at another time and use technology and FaceTime, as I said, something like that. I just wanted to raise that and tell you that it doesn't make you a horrible person if you make the decision that financially it doesn't make sense and lifestyle-wise it doesn't make sense right now. It doesn't mean your horrible son or daughter or aunt or uncle. If they guilt induce you, they'll get over it. Now let's move to the next phase, whether they're local or you do make the trip or whatever, and you get there. Every family has issues. You probably have issues with somebody in your family, some frustration, some problem. Make a decision before you go that you have the right to pick your battles and your battlefields, and you have the right to pick when you're going to fight those battles. You remember we talked about that. Just make a decision that around the dinner table or in the kitchen, when everybody's together, maybe for the one time a year that everybody gets together, that's just not the battlefield that you want to fight on. Resolve before you go that, yes, there are some issues here. We're just simply not going to solve them at Christmas. We can all get on the phone later, or I can contact this person individually or whatever, but Christmas is just not for problem solving. You don't have to use this time to clear up all the resentments, problems, and agendas. I think you need to make some decisions going in, and one of them needs to be that you're just simply not going to talk about politics, and you're not going to talk about existing problems. Now, if you decide that you're not going to talk about politics, then people may be upset with you because they want to vent and talk about politics. And if they do, just excuse yourself. Just say, oh, great, y'all are going to talk about politics. Uh, I'm going to take the kids out back and swing. Or I'm going to walk the dog to Cleveland. Anything. But you're going to have a more peaceful time, and you're going to have less conflict if you make that decision going in. So if you do go, and you decide I'm not going to solve problems, 
and I'm not going to talk politics. So what are you going to do? Well, there's something called reflexive biting. Let me, by analogy, talk about animal psychology for a minute. And you're probably thinking, my God, where's he going now? Well, in animal psychology, we have a lot of things that we've really learned about human functioning because we've studied it in animals and then set it up to see if this holds for humans, and it does. And one of the things we've learned is what we call reflexive biting, where you can take docile animals like white mice, put two of them in a good-sized cage, and they either ignore each other or they play or whatever, and they're just fine. You can put three or four in there, same thing. You put 30 or 40 in there, and you know what happens? They start biting each other. They start fighting each other. Why? It's called reflexive biting. They get stressed. It's too crowded. There's no way to get off by yourself and be a docile white mouse. Everywhere you go, there's another mouse. They can't get by themselves. They can't rest. They can't be alone. They get frustrated. And when they get frustrated, they lash out. Now, by analogy, let's take that to Aunt Edna's house for Thanksgiving. (laughs) You've got a house where maybe three or four people live, and they get along just fine, just like the white mice in the big cage. Okay, now you bring in another 10 or 11 people, and everybody's going to stay at Aunt Edna's, and they get there on Wednesday night, and they're going to be there Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday, Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night. And as Hemingway said, guests like fish stink after three days. So you're going to get some reflexive biting. You, on the other hand, can decide that you're going to come late and leave early. You, on the other hand, can say, we didn't want to intrude, so we're going to stay at the motel. And you think, well, you know, that's going to cost a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, maybe, but you're better off to go get one room with a couple of rollaways and you and your people stay together where you can get away from everything and decompress a little bit. If that's something that you can afford to do, it might be a really good investment. If it's not something you can afford to do, You might think about not staying quite so long. I'm just trying to give you a heads up that some of the meltdowns that happen during the holidays are not as random as they may seem. In fact, they're quite predictable human nature-wise when you think about such things as overcrowding and stress and tension, particularly if a couple of people there have chips on their shoulders or drink too much or have an issue with you from last summer, and all this gets mixed together, it's like, gee, what could possibly go wrong here? (laughs) It's like a lot could go wrong here. You got somebody with a chip on their shoulders, somebody drinking too much, somebody talking politics, and we're all jammed together in a room set up for four people, and it's now got 14. What could possibly go wrong? Well, everything. I probably sound like a pessimist about the holidays, and I'm absolutely not. I love the holidays. Our family, we've never had so much as a crossword at Thanksgiving or Christmas, whether it's our house or theirs, or we've traveled to 
somewhere, some destination. We've always had just a terrific time. So I'm not saying this because I've had some bad experience. I'm saying it because out of 45 years of being a mental health professional, I've dealt with a lot of people that have come home wounded from what would have been designed as a wonderful family get-together. Manage your situation by managing your expectations and recognize if you're setting yourself up for failure by putting stress and pressure on yourself, by traveling too far, putting on a financial strain, staying too long in too small of a space, and trying to solve problems on a battlefield that's not very good for problem solving. Okay, well, I'm here with Freedom Win, Sinan Insir, and Greg Mydell. These are three of my really good friends. I play tennis with them. We hang out. We do all kinds of things together. And I thought we would talk about what the Christmas traditions are at people's house, because we're from different parts of the country. Greg's from the upper Midwest, Freedom's from Northern California, and Sinan is from Turkey. So we're going to hear some different things from him. Let's start with Greg. So Greg, Let's talk about this two different ways. You grew up in the upper Midwest, Illinois, right? Only child. So what were the traditions in your house? What was it like Christmas Eve? Tell me about growing up at your house. Well, Christmas Eve was always a gathering of my aunts and uncles and my cousins. and We'd all get together with my grandmother, my parents, and everyone. And we would have just a very classic Christmas Eve dinner and gift exchange. And we would sure have a good time. The kids would rule the house, and we ate everything in sight. We made a huge mess and had a lot of fun. Very special memories. Now, did you guys open presents on Christmas Eve, or was it Christmas morning? In that case, if we got together, we would open them Christmas Eve. But the family, my immediate family, always opens their gifts on Christmas morning. Was there a particular tradition? Like, I know your mother really well, and we call her the colonel. She kind of runs everything, and she is the absolute sweetest woman in the history of the world. Did she have certain things that she made, cooked for Christmas Eve or Christmas Day dinner? Was she the one that did all of that, or was it everybody bring something themselves? She did the majority of it. We would have a big feast, and my grandmother, when she was alive, God bless her soul, would be involved, and we'd have fantastic big turkey dinner with stuffing and mashed potatoes and great salads and everything. And then my grandmother always made red velvet cake, which is something that's always very special in our family, even to this day. Our routine today is pretty much what it was decades ago. I've had red velvet cake at your house, and it's good. I don't know where it came from, but it was good. Now, growing up as a kid, is there any special Christmas that you remember or a special gift that you got, your first bike, your first game, your first anything? Was there a Christmas that stands out with you, or do they all just kind of run together? Well, I think as you uh, grew up, I look back when I was really young, getting my first Schwinn bike, I think it was, and it was a cool bike with high handlebars on it, which was kind of new to the scene at that time, and it was always a lot of fun. And As you grew up, every few years, there was something even more cool, be it a game, then you get the car bug, and you hope that your parents figure out that you're going to want a car someday. I didn't get one for Christmas, but I always let them know that's what I was looking for when I turned 16. And even today, having young children of my own at 10, my wife and I, I mean, Christmas is a big deal, and I know they'll remember all of their fun gifts going forward, but 
bikes and cars and games and toys and fond memories with a lot of good food. You know, that's one of the things that I talk about, and you've read my book, Family First. You know, Greg's really special to me because he's the first person I met with regard to the Dr. Phil show. I'd been doing the Oprah show for, well, right at four years, right? And we made the decision that it was time to do Dr. Phil, and we were first going to do it at Harpo Studios, and then Oprah and I got to talking and decided that would be too much of a load on Harpo Studios in Illinois, so we were going to take on a production partner. We started meeting with different production companies, and as soon as I met Greg Modell at Paramount, the hunt was over. I mean, we met and clicked immediately, right? So I came to Paramount. Greg was there about another five years, and then Fox stole him away. But our relationship went way beyond professional and just what we were doing with regard to the show. Hell, I think we played tennis the day you went from Paramount to Fox, and here we are 18 years later. We just came off the tennis court right now, and I've watched your kids be born and grow, and I'm just curious. You know, I talk about in Family First that it's so important, I think, generationally, that we have rituals and traditions and customs in our families. It's kind of what marks our memories and our histories and that we pass those on to the next generation. Have you consciously done that? Tell us about your two and what you've done as far as carrying those traditions on from what you did growing up to what you do with your kids now. Well, it's a big part of our life, and it is a huge tradition. Christmas Eve is very special. We get everybody together. We go to Christmas Eve Mass and then come back and have this huge feast and My mother, who's 85 now, and my grandmother, the kid's grandmother, is there. Her tradition is a part of it. We even kind of get a little over the top. We have great caviar on Christmas Eve night. That's one of our rituals. And then the next day, everybody shows up in their Christmas pajamas, and we light the fire, and we open our gifts, and literally stay in our pajamas the entire day, and then have another great fun dinner with everybody together, and we never leave the house. We cling together from Christmas Eve through the end of Christmas Day. Well, you have a son and a daughter. Which one gets most excited about Christmas? Well, they both do. But I think that my son, Blake, in particular, you know, he loves games. He loves sports. He loves music. So we kind of try to look for something that goes along with his nickname, DJ Blake, because he loves being a DJ at 10. (laughs) And so anything that he can do to add a mix or two to his music system is what it's all about. My daughter loves games and dolls and toys, so it's very special. Now, your wife, Nancy, is really all about home and making everything feel comfortable there. You've now been married, how many years is it? 13 and a half years. Do you guys still exchange gifts 13 and a half years in, or do you just make it about the kids? Well, I keep trying to make her realize it's just about the kids, but she likes a couple special gifts under the tree, I must say, and it makes it very special. So I always try to surprise her. You know, jewelry is always a good start, something fun. And we really, Nancy is a great homebody full of festivities and everything. And she comes from a huge family. She's one of seven kids, a big Catholic family. So celebrating the Christmas holidays is very, very important to all of us. And it is a tradition. How great is it to have your mother? And, you know, you knew my mother, of course. And when they get to that age, every year that we have them is a blessing. And I know you'll have your mother this year at Christmas. 
How special is it that she gets to see your kids grow up and be there for these Christmas traditions and all of that? Because this is really special to her, isn't it? Very special. It all started with her you know, years and years ago, and she makes sure that that tradition continues, both in making sure we get to Mass, to going to church, to enjoying our festivities in the evening, but making sure we are together as a family is what it's all about. And we do have a lot of fun. Well, one of the traditions that you and I share is, I don't know how many years it is now, but I've been on the tennis court at noon on Christmas Eve every year for, I think it's 38 years now. You and I have been on together. This will be our 18th year. At noon on Christmas Eve, we're on the tennis court. We might be finishing. We might be starting. It might be in the middle. But when that clock strikes noon, we're on the tennis court, and we haven't missed in 18 years. You realize we're at 18? It's something that I look forward to every Christmas Eve because we get in there, we play hard, we have a lot of great laughs getting all the guys together to enjoy the camaraderie of playing tennis together and everything. But it starts with you. You made it a very special moment in all of our lives. It's a great tradition. And then you work up a great appetite for the rest of the day. So uh, I'm ready to go have a feast after that. Well, thanks for sharing your traditions about the kids and all. Anything special for the kids this year? Made your mind up yet? I'm sure with Blake, it's got to have to do with his music. Play with his music. We've had piano recitals. I just finished that uh, over the weekend. I know we'll be singing around the piano during the holidays. And our daughter will be playing. You know, she's all about Frozen. She loves Frozen, and the play Frozen is here now. And Frozen 2 just came out, so we're going to have a good time. I get asked all the time on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, who are my friends? Do I actually have real friends that are not in jail or something? So they get to hear from you, and you're such a great dad. And like I say, I've known your mother forever, and you've really made her proud as a son. and her watching you as a dad and the things that you do. I talk to her and it's just really special, her watching all the success you've had and particularly the success you have as a father and a husband. That's really special to her. It starts with you and I recommend everybody read all your books because uh, (laughs) including your keys to success and how to keep your family bonded and together, it's very special. So thanks for being a dear friend and best to you, to your family on the fantastic holiday. It's always so festive at the McGraw home. It's unbelievable. You would think that you're at the North Pole when you walk through the door. The trees, the lights, the colors, all the accoutrements that go along with it. The McGraw house is a very happy house during the holidays. Sinan, talk to us a little bit. Now, you have a shorter story to tell because you're from Turkey, and I asked you if you're going to tell us about your traditions, and you say Turkey's a little different. Yes, Turkey is a 99% Muslim country. So we don't get to celebrate Christmas there. So when I was growing up, the uh, only thing that we did is to skip English classes for two hours. And like we played soccer or basketball on Christmas Day. So is that a day that's recognized at all? No, not at all. Nobody probably knows even about it. Really? But we do celebrate New Year's Eve. You've been in the U.S. now for 10 years. And once you got here, did you start celebrating Christmas? few years. The first few years, the only thing we knew was to go to movie theaters because that's one of the few things that are open on Christmas Day. So the first few years, we spend uh, our time on the movie theaters. We, We even saw maybe two or three movies in a day because we were so bored. But eventually, in the last few years, we started celebrating Christmas like other people here. And we started inviting our friends to our house and do like a big feast 
Has it gotten to be a special day to you now? I mean, Absolutely. is it something you look forward to? Absolutely. Me and my girlfriend love to cook to all of our friends. So in the last three or four years, we've been inviting a lot of our friends and cook for them. And I'm really looking forward for this year as well. You've got this girlfriend. If you do get married and if you do start a family, is Christmas something that you would introduce to the family? Absolutely, yes. I think it's a great way to see your friends and have a great time. And also, who doesn't like gift exchanging? I mean, everybody loves it. Well, I want to point that out because you'll be wanting to get all of us gifts come Christmas and everything. All right, Freedom, jump in here and let's talk about what happens in Northern California in your life. Oh, man, I loved Christmas growing up. I think it was the food for me. On Christmas Eve, we'd have a traditional meal, which included turkey, stuffing, my mom's famous mashed potatoes, pumpkin pie, and my favorite, honey-baked ham. As I got older, it was my duty to start picking up the ham. This was considered a rite of passage in my family, so to speak. But I think my parents were just sick of waiting in that long line. And then on Christmas Day, we'd see a movie and get round table pizza. Is that like a brand of pizza? It is. And it had to be thin crust. So was this a big thing in your family, Christmas? Is it something that was really celebrated in a big way? It was. My parents went all out. And I think being the only child, I got to reap the benefits of that. A big tradition in my family was I was only allowed to open one present on Christmas Eve. And then I had to wait to open up the rest Christmas morning. So as you can imagine, knowing me the way you do now, I did everything I could the weeks leading up to Christmas Eve to try to get permission to open just one more present. I even took out the garbage. I ate my vegetables. I even drank V8, and I hate V8. But yeah, I tried everything. And no matter what I did, they stuck to their guns, and I could only open one on Christmas Eve and the rest on Christmas Day. And I've lived away from home for a very long time and been doing things on my own, but when it comes to Christmas traditions, my parents are not budging. And I still can't get more than one present open before Christmas Day. Is this something that when you look back on childhood and think back through it, is this one of the things that really jumps out at you? Do you remember Christmas fondly or is it birthdays? Is this up there in your memories, traditions, rituals that you think about with regard to your family? Yeah, definitely. Christmas is a big deal. You know, brought our family together each year. And that primarily consisted of my parents my aunt and uncle, and my two cousins. But beyond those obvious reasons, I looked at Christmas as another chance to catch that ever-elusive gift giver we know as Santa Claus. Again, I tried everything. I stayed up till the wee hours of the morning. I set motion detectors by the chimney. I hid behind the couch because my parents would always help me set up cookies and milk on the coffee table by the chimney. So I hid back there thinking maybe if I can get a sneak peek, I can catch him in his act. But no, nope, still till this day. Every year I try and uh, I've yet to catch this guy. I will, one year, maybe this year. Watch out, Santa. (laughs) I hope you catch him. Well, one of the things we always do at Christmas around here when we get around and have dinner is, and I talked about this with Robin, we always take a minute to reflect on the blessings that we've had during the year. And I think that's a really good kind of habit that we've gotten into. And I really recommend that because when you look back over the last year, I know the four of us, I think we would all have to say we've had a really blessed year. Wouldn't you guys all agree? 
totally had a really blessed year. And I hope that's true for people listening. I want to say thanks to all my friends for taking time to share their family's holiday traditions. And of course, to my wife, Robin, for helping me celebrate ours. Of course, one of the great holiday traditions is New Year's resolutions. In fact, the next episode of this podcast, I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions and how the average person keeps them for just, wait for it, 12 days before they give up. That's right, they last for 12 days. I'm also going to tell you how to increase your efficiency by 500%. That's a bold statement, I know, but I'm going to give you some bold tools to make it happen. I hope you'll join me, but for now, happy holidays. I'm Dr. Phil. Phil.